So being from Detroit, you know, you're, you either grew up in a house that was very Pan-Africanist <laughs> or not at all. You know, I, I call myself a post-riot baby. So when I was born, it was quiet. The riots were over. You know, I wasn't, I'm young, too young to have been around for those things. But my, my brothers were little when the riots happened in Detroit in 67. And uh, me and my sister weren't here yet. And, and so we didn't even know that the riots or the rebellion is what folks in Detroit call it. We were rebelling against the police and white supremacy and attacks on our people. And that's what Detroit is. You know, we come from that. We're a fighting city. We've been fighting against um, racism, against poverty for quite some time. For my entire life, I don't remember that not being a conversation. It's just embedded in the history of, of the city. Whether you were in a house that spoke about it or not, all you had to do was go outside and you could, you could feel it. The Great Migration, I mean, we're all products of that, you know, my roots being Alabama. We were a big part of the abolition movement too, the black abolition movement. And so I was raised very free, like a free black girl on the west side of Detroit. No one freed me. And, and I didn't grow up thinking I was freed by someone that didn't look like myself. And I think that's what makes Detroiters um, a specific kind of person a specific kind of black or brown person too, um, even different than the New Yorkers um, who I met who had a lot of Caribbean roots. A lot of us here don't have Caribbean roots. We're very Southern um, and then West African um, or indigenous. Those spaces that uh, used to exist that you can't see anymore, like the Tiger Stadium I grew up <laughs> going to baseball games with, with my father are gone. Black Bottom was railroad through, you know, neighborhoods that used to exist are still here in spirit. So we have, we grew up with the ghosts, you know, and the spirit of, of what was left behind. And, and, and we carry on. This is Intersections Detroit, Resilience and Hustle from the Heart of the D, Chapter 5, Life. I think that in life you actually can have it all, not all at once, but eventually all in time. My name is Brian Barnhill. I was born in Detroit and I grew up near the city airport. I was a privileged guy living in a bad neighborhood. The privilege that I had was the fact that I was raised in a household with both my parents. I was driving in the car with my mother, driving down Gratiot Avenue, and we crossed Eight Mile Road, the street that divides Detroit from the suburbs. As we crossed Eight Mile, I started to take in a set of observations that made me realize for the first time that the world did not look like my block. I no longer saw preponderance of abandoned buildings, uh, broken concrete, 
overgrown grass and trash. The people increasingly stopped looking like me. So at that young age, again, about five or six, the first question that came to mind was why? Why is it that people who live in such close proximity can have such vastly different qualities of life? More than that, why is it that I'm living like this, my family? And these questions about social disparity, um, inequality, really started to inform my um, intellectual pursuits, but also just my worldview. Because on one hand, I felt obligated to achieve my neighborhood's mantra of success, which is, you know, make it out. But on the other hand, my culture as African-American is about uplifting your community. I wanted to do something about it. My service was needed. I mean, I felt like a lot of other folks who had benefited from growing up in Detroit with all the, the richness of culture and institutions who had an opportunity to go away have an obligation to come back. I felt like I needed to come back during, the, during that time after a tremendous period of decline. And it's such an amazing time to be here witnessing all of it. It's almost poetic because the city's motto is Sperimus Meliora, Resurgit Cenerebus, which translates to, we hope for better days, it shall rise from the ashes. How do you take care of a community even when you feel like the community has not taken care of you? We're just all doing the best that we can with the tools that we have. I grew up on LaSalle Boulevard. My father, James Wesley Jones, was very instrumental in rebuilding of 12th Street after the 1967 rebellion. So watching him go to meeting after meeting after meeting, I really believe instilled in me how to give back to the community. I'm Lisa Franklin. I am the founder and president of an organization for people with disabilities, about people with disabilities, called Warriors on Wheels of Metropolitan Detroit. 
1996, I was injured in an automobile accident by a drunk driver. In my rehabilitation, going throughout the community, noticed the inaccessibility of the city of Detroit. In 2006, I ran for Miss Wheelchair Michigan. At that time, some of the ladies in the pageant also decided that they wanted to do something. So we formed an organization, and that's how Warriors on Wheels was born. I attended a disability workshop, and the young lady who taught it, one of the examples that she gave of the way that people think was this. There was a school that had a mixture of children. They went out on recess, and while they were out on recess, it snowed really bad. So after it snowed and recess was over, the janitor came out. He started shoveling the stairs. And the a child said, what about the ramp? The um, custodian told him that after I finish the stairs, then I'll shovel the ramp. So the child said, well, why don't you shovel the ramp? Then we all can go inside. We don't think in a way that if we make it right for people with disabilities, that it's good for everybody. We would love to see banks with power door openers, pharmacies, all of the public places where people go. We would like to see people with disabilities are able to, to go in those same areas. It's just really rewarding to know that you're doing something that could change someone's life. From the mire and murky loam, bottom black with dusty soil, the first people walked this land, heard the rivers rush and roar. Near the water Savoyard, there in battles took a stand, made the fateful crimson flow near the strait called La Detroit. From black bottom swamp and fog, green and verdant ribbons grew. Lush farms risen from the bog, furs and stoves and ironworks. From the briny underground, there arose a great world noise, symphony of city sounds, sights and wonders to behold. Here inventions hum and clang, boundaries fire and factories bang. Listen to assembly lines, hear production stern and drain. Hear the hiss of molten iron turning into Model A's. Listen to the shouts of hires working for $5 days. Nations gathered in this place, varied hues and diverse face. Working people prospering but segregate the darker race. Clack and clatter of streetcars, sounds of great Grand Central trains. Immigrants and great migration streets are packed between shift change. Come from Europe, up from South, workers moving all about. Roads and streets exhaling steam, hiss and whining of machines. Autos rolling off the line make rhythm of the time. Hark the notes of human toiling, hear the shouts of labor's roiling. Money makers pulling strings, busting blocks, dividing streets. Profits made by real estate, instigating fright and hate. Driven out by greed and guile, living city streets behind. Sounds of flight across eight mile did not to stop the city's sound. Blues and jazz and gospel flowed and record shops were all around. But came the news from City Hall, Black Bottom was to be destroyed. 
And then to make a new freeway, Hastings Street gets wrecking ball. Black bottom gone and Hastings dead, so many to the west side fled. But drum rolls for equality all went unheard, no scrutiny. And so the rage and fire burned in 67's mutiny. Generations now have gone, destruction changed the city's song. But now their children do return from exile, coming back to learn with sounds of electronica and techno beats made in this town. I open arms to welcome them, the ones who really want to live, amidst we folks who never left, reside together with respect. Some say they come to save Detroit, but I say they come to be saved. I was told from the age of 20 I would never have kids. Fast forward 36, at 36 years old, I get really sick. We think it's an ulcer. It's a child. The only one that got through. So I didn't think anything about it. Everything was fine. I went to the doctor every day. And when she was born, there was no indication. Right before she turned one years old, we started getting concerned because she wasn't talking. She wasn't trying. It didn't seem like she was trying to talk. I was told I was a paranoid older mother who wanted her child to talk too soon. And they found out she was profoundly deaf. And I said, so what's the next step? And one doctor told me the one thing that fueled the rest of my life. He said, you don't have to worry about sending her to school because these kids don't learn until they're nine or 10 years old. And I looked at my mother and my mother said, you're really not seriously listening to that, right? I didn't know what to do, but I remember my grandmother saying one time when I was a kid, when life gets you to a point that the only thing you can do is break down and cry, take 30 minutes, do it, get up, pull up your pants and get going. And that's what I did. I just said, okay, so what do we do? After that, I started doing whatever it took to get success for my daughter. I got involved with the school system because I found that they were passing our kids on. They were passing them from one grade to another because it was about the money for them. For me, I'm an older parent. I'm not gonna be here as long as my daughter is gonna be here. And that alone was my fuel. I named her Ebony for a reason. It's a hard, strong wood. And she has lived up to that every moment of her life. She has taken on things that I wouldn't have taken on. I am proud of how she has done the things that she's done. My daughter is independent, really independent. My name is Deborah Love Peel. I am a parent advocate in Detroit, Michigan for the deaf and hard of hearing community. I'm part of a nonprofit with four other parents who have deaf kids, and we are fighting the fight.
back in the day or whatever for his to start his car call. So he's just three little benches. Hey, man, hey, I'm gonna be coming in there, and then I got some business. Yes, thank you. <laughs> My name is Shamayim Harris. People call me Mama Shoe. I'm the founder and the director of Avalon Village. I'm a creator and land developer. Um, this right here was three vacant lots, and so I just cleaned them up, mostly clay and just a lot of stuff. We have our stuff in the back of our chairs for our events. When I look back on my childhood, I think about how I loved my neighborhood, how I thought that my neighborhood had every single thing that I wanted, everything that I needed. The people were beautiful, the elders were open and receptive to me sitting on the porch and uh, asking for advice. I always loved to do the lawn and do the grass with my grandfather and my grandmother. I like to plan community events. I like to just be on my block. I loved my block so much. We had a school there. We had a, a party store there. It felt safe. It felt nurturing. And I just remember that, and I really had a good childhood. I, I, I feel good about my childhood, and I think it's helped me to be who I am today. Just when we have our people cut the grass and stuff, we'll say, oh, go cut 34, you know. Go cut 36, Avalon, you know. Now this right here is um, the homework house. Hey there. I'm too, how you doing? Good, how y'all doing? You need more guys, go get some more guys. <laughs> Maybe they can, uh, well, they're from out of town, they gotta, get up out of here right quick, but I brought him to come and come see. I believe that part of my vision and part of my um, assignment, I would say, here on the planet is to help bring beauty back to the neighborhoods and to really help restore and resurrect blighted areas. One of the key things that really kicked in my energy to build the village was when my son, Jacoby Ra, uh, died. He was killed by a hit and run driver September the 23rd in 2007. Um, although I was always an activist and building and doing things, that particular day when that happened, it really made me just say, I'm really, really getting ready to do this. Um, losing a, a child, period, is to me, was uh, the ultimate fear that I've had being a mother. Like, um, you know, you always think like, wow, what would, what would happen to me if my son died or any of my children died? And so it actually happened. That day I became invincible and I wasn't really afraid and didn't have any blockages after that. It was just like, I'm doing it. I've been building the village. I saw the vision and worked towards it. This whole village building thing, Avalon Village and restoring the neighborhood has been a healing journey uh, for me because it helps you to, you know, not get over because that's something that's permanent, but it helps it to feel better. And I have a way to utilize the energy in the grief. So basically, the one block is really not enough. I would probably need to build a world. If I had to gauge my grief, I'm just starting on the block. I got a long ways to go. Here I am, and I just have the courage to just keep on going. Basically, I'm raising a child in the heavens still. We just keep going.
How can I contribute my experiences in a meaningful way? That's what I'm thinking about. How can I have this significant impact? How can I say, you know, I come from humble beginnings, right? But I have an opportunity to do so much more. My trajectory is so much higher. I remember when I was a child living on Faircrest, the, the gas got cut off. And it was cold outside. It's like a February, March. And so we were hovering around a kerosene heater in the living room. And I remember the wick on it, which is burned so orange and red. And I was just fascinated with it. But I didn't understand that by us being hovered around this, we could die. The idea that it actually does get greater later and it's not just that, you know, just you just let time pass. It's like you're actively working to get some things done. When I decided to go back to school, living on Joy Road in Southfield and going to community college on Curtis and Southfield, that's a, that's, a, that's a few miles walk that I had to do, taking night classes, buses stopped running early, I just dedicating myself to that. And so while I'm making this journey, rain, sleet, snow, sunny, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at night, hearing gunfire, when I tried to cross uh, 96, I had to slide down a dirt trail and hold on to the wall and scoot this way and, and make my way across. And I did the same thing on the way back in this three, four mile walk. And it really just spoke to how much I really wanted it. And this is a journey outside of the classroom. It's really a how much do you want it? And I think that I want to show folks that if they really stay dedicated, if they stay committed, then opportunities will open up. And that's the message that I want to give. Through all the trauma, through all the, 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 the anger, the, the, through all the misplaced aggression, uh, I always still dreamed and moved in a way that could potentially give me that possibility. I sit here today and say, oh, I'm my happiest. Uh, I am my most successful. My outlook is my, its most positive. My name is Terrence West. I am a Detroiter from the east side, and I care deeply about my community, and that's why I continue to live here. I believe that we can all, folks who come from similar backgrounds, folks who come from a similar struggle, folks who may feel like they aren't worthy, we can all find our worth. We're just all doing the best that we can with the tools that we have. It's almost poetic because the city's motto is Sperimus Meliora, Resurgit Cineribus, which translates to, we hope for better days, it shall rise from the ashes.
Intersections Detroit is produced by LaToya Cross in the D for the Human Atlas and Rethink Audio. The executive producer and sound designer is Sarah Miles. Original music by Brian Eno, Ife Bess, and Marcus Elliott. Concept and interviews conducted by Marcus Lyon and his Human Atlas team. That's Camilla Pastorelli and Joe Briggs Price. Support for Intersections and the Human Atlas comes from the Kresge Foundation, working to expand opportunities in America's cities through grant-making and social investing. For more information, go to kresge.org. Special thanks to all iDetroiters, the people of our city. Your resilience, fire, and voice is what makes this work possible. My name is Jessica Caremore. See you back here next week when you follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find great stories. Peace.